You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good evening. Thank you very much for listening to episode 56 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast with me, Charlotte Greenway. It's Friday the 14th of October, the eve of Kipco British Champions Day. And what a card we have in store tomorrow at Ascot. There's going to be some great clashes between horses and trainers as well as the UK Flat Trainers Championship goes down to the wire. William Haggis will be looking to land the championship for the first time and pick Charlie Appleby to it, although you can't totally rule out John and Thady Gosden either. However, one would imagine that William Haggis's thoughts this evening won't be on that, but in fact on the final start of champion racehorse Baid. There's been a lot of talk on the podcast this week about the pressure on the team behind him ahead of this weekend. And here's what William Haggis had to say during a Great British Racing call on his feelings and emotions in the lead up to his Star Swan song. It's been very hard this year to stick to my other little adage, which it is better to keep your mouth closed and appear stupid than to open it and remove all doubt. And uh, I've been talking a lot about this horse and it's... It's up to him now. Me, stop talking and let him do it. I think it's really important, seriously, that we we keep a, a level head, especially at home, where everyone's obviously a little on edge because it means a lot to all of us. And we're all lucky to have had this horse while he's been in training with us. And every single person who works for us and is involved with us has enjoyed the ride immensely. But we can't go around getting tense and taut because he will then feel it. We just got to be normal. We just got to work normally and treat him as as best we can as another horse in the yard. We've just everything so far this year has gone exactly how we wanted it to go uh, when we sat down in March to decide our program. So, you know, it's been a a half a miracle to get to this uh, this situation. Uh, in the position we're in. Mm. The only uh, slight caveat is he may have gone to Ireland uh, because it sat very well in his programme. But uh, Shaker Hissa was very keen for him to have one more run after York, uh, either in the arc or the champion. And uh, and we've probably made the right decision as it turns out. Have you sort of prepared yourself in your mind for for, for life after by? Don't really want to do that, Cornelius. Um, that's that's negative thinking. So uh, um, you know we're in search at the moment uh, for the right one, but uh, I don't think it's uh, likely that we found it in the last three weeks of sales. And so many people have kindly wished us luck for Saturday. And I think a lot of people who love horse racing, and there are plenty of us, you know, I think they genuinely want to see him. Uh, strut his stuff and, and win the race and uh, um, you know I think they want to see a really really top horse unbeaten and um, and win in the style to which I mean I think they, they a lot of people really hope that of course we do you know we've got one race to go 
I think Frankel obviously was unbeaten, but few are unbeaten uh, in a career at that level. And um, we haven't, obviously, we want him to win every race he runs in. So I think it's, it would be sad if he was beaten, um, but probably only sad for us. It wouldn't be sad for the people who beat us. I wouldn't have a clue what makes him better. I wish we knew. I could then buy another one like him at the sale. But, but you know, he's he just got everything. And, and I've always likened my job to be the headmaster of a boarding school in that uh, the sixth form is every year, at the end of every year, they go and the new boys and, or girls come in. And then we spend two years trying to work out uh, which of them have got talent. Well, this course would get 10 A-stars at, at, at GCSE. He'd be captain of rugby, cricket and football or hockey. He'd be, uh, um, he'd breeze into Cambridge. He'd be prime minister. You know, he's just got it all. He's that pupil that every headmaster is what, you probably weren't that pupil, Marcus, but this horse is the pupil that every every headmaster wants. He's just good at everything he does. And I don't know why he's good at everything he does, but he just is. Baid routed his rivals at York last time in the Judmont International, beating previous winner and multiple Group 1 winner Mishrif with ease. But this morning, Rishi Passad put it out there that he believes in Adayar he faces his toughest rival yet. Especially at a course where Adayar has tasted success before in the King George, and the stiff minor quarter will certainly suit him. So when Nick spoke to Shadwell's Richard Hills this morning, he asked if he was in agreement. Yes, I think it is. I mean, obviously, uh, he he's proven that you know a mile a quarter is no problem. What he did at York, but you know tomorrow it's going to be soft ground. It's going to be on a track that is a stiff track and we're taking on a derby winner plus king george winner um so yeah i think it will be his toughest, his toughest task and the irony's not lost on me that the same group of us that we're talking to william haggis about trying to run him in the arc or you know geeing geeing shake a hisser up to to have a crack at the arc are the, are the same people who are now saying well might he get out stayed over a mile and a quarter at Asker? it's memories are very short in this game aren't they yeah, they are. Um, but, you know, Ascot's different than um, than Longshong. I mean, that was a mile and a half with two false straights, which, you know, he's only ever encountered one one false straight in his life. Um, so tomorrow, we I think we've got the perfect draw, um, drawn one. Um, Jim can just, you know, he can settle him, which is important just to knock him off. Um, he has been getting stronger in his work. Um, I rode him myself and obviously my twin brother, Michael, rides him regularly and he's he he has become more in your hands you know he's a fast horse but he switches off beautifully and i think jim can get in a nice rhythm and if we can and he produced that turn of foot which he did at um york obviously on softest ground which he's encountered before so you know all systems are go really you know that's an interesting point about you saying he's getting stronger in his work and, and more and more in your hands. Would do you think that's just him developing and strengthening, getting faster, or is that because he has had quite a while since his last run? Because he had quite a while since his last run, and this horse, believe it or not, is absolutely thriving. Um, I when I counted him down to do a bit of work two weeks ago, 
you're halfway down the canter, going just a hack, he just jumped to the air and did this massive buck. I mean, he just like exploded. Um, and he's he's become more and more, uh, he's got that energy which he really does need to release. Uh, uh, we were talking about pacemakers and why nobody runs, well, I think nobody. They've gone out of fashion, haven't they? And and you compared to when you were riding first for Sheikh Hamdan, and then in your in your later days, even as first jockey, they were just kind of part of the furniture. Hundred percent. I mean, Sheikh Hamdan, he he loved. You know, we grew up having pacemakers. Um, obviously, you know, <clears throat> if you like to, we've been successful with it. And and I dare say, if he was still alive, we may have used a pacemaker. Um, but it's tended to go out of fashion. Um, the last sort of eighteen months, for whatever reason or not, but. You know, it's. I think pacemakers are important, providing they're done properly. Yeah, and, and within the rules, of course. And and I, I don't I remember you getting too much trouble because you won. To, you won two very big races on on pacemakers. Was it Maruf and Summoner? Didn't you win on both of those? Both of those, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got lucky. <laughs> well, some might say lucky. Some might say um, very, very tactically assured. Um, just in terms of the the day as a whole tomorrow um i'm sure you can you can empathize and identify with exactly what this is going to mean not just to shake a hisser but to all of all of william haggis's team yeah i mean look you know it's going to be important because um we don't want him to get beat you know we want him to retire you know unbeaten um so that pressure is there um plus we need the horse you know we want him to prove it you know himself again um, and as I said earlier, you know, he's in great form. William's team, and they've done a fantastic job literally from day one with this horse. Um, but, you know, he's been good. He's, he's hardly ever seen a vet in his life, which is not always uh, the case with a lot of thoroughbreds. Um, so he's a tough horse and resilient, um, and it would be the perfect ending. Dan in Australia, very elegant, is used to being the star of the show, but things are yet to work out for her since moving to Francis Graffar earlier in the year to pursue a European campaign. She looked to have taken a step forward on her second start at Longshore in September. However, she never got into the Prévoyage on Art Weekend, having run too free, and hopefully that didn't take too much out of her. Tomorrow, she runs in the Phillies and Mares, taking on the likes of Oak's second Emily Upjohn, who heads the betting with Appleby's Eternal Pearl and Haggis's Celia Rossa next in. Nick put a call into Very Elegant's owner, Bray Sokolsky, this morning and asked how he was feeling going into tomorrow on the back of her poor show just two weeks ago. Yeah, well, I'm a little bit reticent um, given, you know, what's transpired um, and I've had my confidence dented um, not in her, um, but just, I guess, in, in this sojourn and uh, starting to question whether it was meant to be, given sort of how much bad luck we've been encountered um, in her preparation. Um, but the horse is in fabulous order, and Frances Graffard is adamant um, that, you know, she's peaking, um, which to me uh, resonates because, you know, the deeper she gets into her preparation, traditionally the better she gets. Um, and... I just want to make sure that there's enough, to, you know, have enough tempo in the race and for her to, um, to have a, an opportunity um, so we actually do understand where she's at. Uh, I do feel like the race profile is much better for her on Saturday um, and they're, they're, by all rights, should be very good speed in the race and hopefully she can sit off them and, um, and you know, show uh, Europe what, what we know, which is she's an elite stayer and she should be very competitive. 
And a win, lose, or draw is—is is this going to be her her final run? No, no, not at all, Nick. Like, you know, because of Southern Hemisphere time, um, which we're working on, she, um, you know, we'd only retire by being forced to um, because we sort of already missed the the breeding season uh, now. So, um, if she does run well, there's no reason why we wouldn't um, persevere and and race her until the end of uh, of this racing season. Um, and then and then bring her back home. Um, so fingers crossed that she performs and uh, we can continue on with her. But at a minimum, I wanted to be here uh, because if, obviously if she fails, um, that will be the last hurrah um, and, um, and we'll retire her because you know, we're very conscious, obviously, of protecting her legacy. Adam Kirby has struck up a good partnership with David Evans's Rohan at Ascot and landed the Group 3 Bengoff stakes there two weeks ago. Tomorrow, they'll be aiming for Group 1 glory in the Champions Sprint, and although they face tough opposition with the likes of last year's winner Creative Force, Facile foray scorer Kim Ross and Commonwealth Cup hero Perfect Power all in there, Kirby is hopeful of a big run. Um, you know, he's a very, very fun horse to ride. Um, you know, if he relaxes for the first half and he starts, um, you know, he comes underneath you and when he fills himself, when he starts overtaking horses, he, um, you know, he gains a a great deal of confidence and then he, and then he shows his um, what a great turn of foot he's got um, but yeah he's, he's, he's a very exciting horse to ride and and um, you know hopefully the splits happen at the right time and he runs a big race and you know obviously he's won last time so he's, he's, he should have gained a lot of confidence from that he um, he didn't get roughed up he had a relatively easy enough race so I'd like to think that he'll be going there with, with as much confidence as I am and hopefully he can um, he can knock at the door the curtain closer to tomorrow is the Balmoral Handicap over a mile, and it's not too often a runner in a race like this is a Group 1 winner, unless it's Accidental Agent. He's certainly quirky, and the Queen Anne winner of 2019 is very hard to predict. But he loves Asker, and he's 22 to 1, so after Rishi tipped him up this morning, Nick thought he'd best put a call into trainer Eve Johnson Horton to get an update on his well-being. He's in great form. He loves Ascot. And uh, why not? He ran a great race last uh, last time. He just got stopped a couple of times. Um, otherwise, I think he would definitely be in place. I think you know he's got an each way shout. Uh, and is he? Is thank he? In, is he? Oh, there we are. Rishi's saying thank you. Is he on good form? Yeah, he's in great form. Just just seen him do his um, last canter before he runs, and he's in great form. He looks really happy, and uh, yeah, all good. And for those who need reminding, this is a horse that won the Queen Anne Stakes back in the day, and then you had a few reversals with him, but he's he's stormed back to life the last couple of seasons. Has run to a a very high level for a horse of his age. What's the what's the secret to him? Um, he just, I mean, I think he must have had a few um, niggles. We never really found out too much what was wrong with him, but he, you know, he was stopping because he was in pain. Um, and now he's just very happy. He's just a very happy horse. He um gets turned out in the winter and then runs in the summer. It's great. How how much of a kick would it give you if he could have another another big hurrah on a big stage? Of course, it'd be huge. It'd be absolutely huge. We'd love it. Um, but he doesn't need to do anything to, for us to love him like we do. Well, I hope that's helped to whet your appetite ahead of tomorrow. First race is the Long Distance Cup at 125, which could well be the most intriguing of them all. So if you're not going, make sure you're parked in front of your TV by then to see Trushan take on St. Ledger winner Eldar Eldorov. Enjoy the racing and Nick will be back as usual on Monday morning with all the fallout from the weekend and the latest insight. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. 
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.